Hello and welcome to episode 65 of Lime Ninja Radio. I am your host, McKay Rippey, and with me in the studio is our producer, Aurora. Hi, and today we are going to be sharing with you our interview with Lime Ninja, Georgia Russell. Yes, and before we jump into that interview, I'm really excited about the upcoming masterclass on diet and brain fog. We have an amazing lineup of experts, including Ariane Resnick. She's had Lyme disease, and she's the author of The Bone Broth Miracle. Just a great, fabulous uh, lesson with her. We also have information from Karen Diggs. She's a fermentation expert and invented this great little gadget called the Kraut Source, like sauerkraut, Kraut Source. And it sits on top of a mason jar and makes fermenting small batches super easy. We have a batch of fermented beets from our garden in the refrigerator right now. And they taste really good. Yep. And this is our second masterclass. The previous one was on brain health. And you can still sign up for that at LimeNinja.com forward slash brain underscore health. That's right. Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with Lime Ninja, Georgia Russell. Hey, McKay. Hi. How are you from Memphis, Tennessee? <laughs> Not so cold from upstate New York. Well, that's great to hear. But <laughs> I know, I know, but I know it's coming your way. It, um, it always I, does. I definitely know it. <laughs> <laughs> now, where? Well, all right. Well, hang on to your hats, then. That's right. Are you in the western part of the state, or where are you in Tennessee? I am. Um, Memphis, Tennessee, is in the west corner. Um, if you can picture that, we're about 10 minutes from Arkansas, 10 minutes from Mississippi. Um, so we're, we're, we're considered the Mid-South. And, um, you know, I've been here for about 30, 35 years now. I moved here in 1980. And, uh, so this is home, although, believe it or not, my, my native, um, you know, place of origin is actually New Jersey. Is it really? Yep. Where? So that's why when you said it's well, that's why when you said it's not too bad up there, uh, I know exactly <laughs> because that's my old stomping ground. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Where? I, um, where in New Jersey? I well, I grew up uh, in a little suburb called Glen Ridge in Essex County. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's familiar to you. Um, my claim to fame is. Uh, my alma mater was the same one as Tom Cruise. He actually graduated about two years after I did. And so once in a while, you may read of Glen Ridge, New Jersey, and uh, that's about the only time it comes up. <laughs> <laughs> so was he as short as he really is in in school? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, he, uh, I don't know, it's an interesting story with him, how he kind of was discovered, but it was really kind of a fluke. And uh, it was a wrestling injury, and because he was no longer able to play that sport, he decided to go out for the junior class play as something else to do, just, you know, to do. That's And uh, he got a, a fairly good supporting role, his first tryout with uh, the, brought the musical Guys and Dolls. And from <laughs> then on, the rest is history, believe it or not. He got bit history. by the bug. He did, or the bug found him. Um, there was actually an agent that was there seeing that particular production for somebody else who was an aspiring actress, and this guy saw him and said, that kid's got potential. 
And um, isn't that you know, always, from there on? Yeah, yeah from there on, he, he came under the sort of the, the wing of George C. Scott, and again, history continued. So that's that's a little story of Tom Cruise and uh, how he began his start. And your brush but with fame. Was, yeah, yeah, and at that point, um, you know, I graduated from uh, Glen Ridge High School and spent the next four years getting my undergraduate degree in Ohio. So, uh, and then I made it down to Memphis, Tennessee, which I'll tell you, I look back now, and if I had gone from a little town in New Jersey to Memphis, Tennessee, I probably, my thoughts would have turned inside out because it was a, (laughs) you know, quite a, quite a cultural change, but the Midwest broke me in. And uh, so when I got here, um, I was, you know, not as shocked. <laughs> Couldn't find any good Italian bread, though. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, where do you think you got your lime? Um, I ha- I'll tell you, this has been over a thirty-year journey for me. Yeah. Um, and as I look back, and as a practitioner, you know, has studied my health history and how this illness has. Um, really progressed, uh, it's pretty clear that I picked it up at some point as a teenager in New Jersey. Hmm. Um, I, you know, summers at the at the Jersey Shore, uh, we would vacation sometimes up in Massachusetts, summer camp up there. Uh, there are a lot of state parks, you know, as you know. Mm-hmm. And um, we also um, always had a lot of cats. So uh. my parents didn't, they didn't like dogs, but we always had the cats. And, uh, Lots of, you know, fleas in the summer and, uh, oh my gosh. But what happened was when I moved to, um, to Memphis, uh, I, um, I was, uh, I had gotten married and began having children pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I had four children in, um, six years. Wow. And, um, you know, I was a stay at home mom and, uh, you know, basically began to notice symptoms that were really um, unusual for someone my age. Yeah. Like, um, like what were your first, what were the first signs? Um, chronic musculoskeletal pain. Um, you know, I didn't know what this was. I did, and, and headaches. Um, having a lot of headaches and jaw pain. So I was kind of, you know, one of these all-in-one Going to rheumatologists, going to the dentist, going to, um, you know, anybody who might have had some kind of specialty to do with muscles, um, jaw and neck pain, um, and, and headaches. But, you know, really, um, they didn't know what to make of it because all the indications by the diagnostic tests were there's nothing wrong. Um, you know, they're, they're doing all the labs. They're looking for, um, autoimmune, you know, issues and, um, you know, nothing. But then the, uh, then the term fibromyalgia, uh, for the first time, um, was suggested to me. Mm-hmm. And of course, back, back then, you know, in the, uh, in the late eighties, early nineties, nobody even knew what that was and much less the internet wasn't even on the scene. So right. the information was very, very minimal. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, I uh, I remember having um, a lot of exhaustion, um, which I part of it chalked up to. Well, you know, anybody who's raising four little children that close together, of they should course. be tired anyway. Yes. Right. Right. Which is true, but doesn't mean you also don't have Lyme disease. No. And here's the thing, though. There started to be um, things that were very, very um, frightening to me. Um, panic attacks. Um, really? I, I had, you know, I had never, I had never had one. I didn't know what it looked like. Uh-huh. But I, I would feel, um, I would be in my car. They would especially hit in my car. Mm-hmm. Feeling like I had no control, you know, over, over, over driving. Or I'd go in the grocery store. Really? And in the middle of the grocery store, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so did you, know, you have thought, pal- palpitations, couldn't breathe? What did your panic attacks oh, yeah. look like? Oh, oh absolutely. And I, I remember emergency room visits once or twice. And I remember, you know, this is going back many, many years. But, you know, the, the things that stand out in my mind were, well, you know, prescription for Xanax and go home and calm down. And I didn't right. even... You know, in my naivete, didn't even know what Xanax was uh, other than, okay, I'm going to trust what my doctors say and this will make me feel better. And, you know, hmm. but. Um, and had you had a those, history of panic attacks or anything like that? No. Okay. Never. Yeah. 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 Never. Never. I had a what I thought was normal teenage years, nothing in college. Um, you know, the, the, the only things I was dealing with really were. Um, had yeast infections in high school and I had bladder infections. But again, I'm thinking, you know, okay, oh, I guess, whatever, take a pill for that and it'll go away. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but the, uh, you know, the, the panic attacks and the headaches, um, the, the rapid heartbeat, you know, all this, um, I remember going to cardiologist and him putting me on a beta blocker. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm like, Barely, barely 30 years old and all of these symptoms, but nobody had any other um, conclusions to draw. So I just did as I was told. Of course. Um, yeah. So by the time, uh, you know, my 30s, again, were kind of progressing, I was, you know, continuing to have these issues with the musculoskeletal problems and I was now undergoing physical therapy. Um, you know, seeing gastroenterologists, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, again, back to the neurologist and basically getting pain management, um, you know, things like Flexoril or Tramadol, a lot of those that were usually prescribed for fibromyalgia. Yeah. Um, and uh, at that time, I found out I had a multi so I was prescribed Synthroid by an endocrinologist. Huh, no and, kidding. Yeah, and at age 35... Um, I was so flat out exhausted. I walked into the hospital. I just knew something wasn't right. Right. And I had a, a severe case of anemia and I had a blood transfusion. Really? Again, again, I, I wasn't knowledgeable enough to ask the kinds of questions to be my own advocate. I just took that, um, you know, Decision is something I really had no choice in the matter. So go ahead, you know, do what you need to do. Right. And um, got out of there after about six or seven days, and I was basically told that my body wasn't making any red blood cells. Huh. Okay. 
all right then. So, you know, got out of there. And um, at this point, we was back in the psychiatry, the psychiatrist for, you know, issues with um, what was now becoming like a depression, anxiety issue. Mm-hmm. And was given a regimen of that. And those symptoms seemed to subside and they kind of waxed and waned. But pretty much, you know, were, were manageable. So there's a pause right there. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is like a, I, I mean, and that's just, that's to, those were the very, if you call those undertones, um, there were a lot of symptoms, but again, you know, it, it, they were manageable. And I'm still raising my children. Yeah. I was um, going to ask how, I mean, how are you managing four children, a marriage, a home, and no energy? I mean, how did you get through the day? Grace to God. I mean, I, I, I can remember, you know, some things do stand out in my mind, and I remember that the pain was so bad, I was literally, I couldn't walk up the stairs. I mean, it was hand on hands and knees. Mm. And I remember saying, I feel like a gnarled branch, yeah. um, not being able to get, a be- get out of bed. And, and just, you know, my husband um, was not very patient. You know, all he saw was medical bills and there's nothing wrong with you and all these tests are normal. And yet, you know, I'm, I'm presenting in such a fashion that, you know, this is anything but normal, but nobody really has a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had begun actually working now, decided to go and, and do something to earn a little income. The kids were a little bit older in elementary school. And I um, had pursued uh, professional cake decorating um, occupation, believe it or not. My background was in art education. Um, I uh, had a passion for cooking as far back as I can remember, self-taught, um, and found myself, um, you know, having natural ability that allowed me to uh, work with some great companies. And so I was, you know, in a stressful work environment, but I loved what I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I would just go to work, and I began to think, well, maybe this is occupational Related, you know, arm, head, neck, shoulder, you know, from the repetitive movement. Right, of course, of course. Um, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's very, very taxing. Yeah. But again, I, I just didn't um, think it was anything other than my body was just getting tired from, from that kind of stress. Yeah. Um, my marriage, unfortunately, um, didn't last after 21 years. Um, it, you know, I think my health had affected it a lot, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it ended. And the interesting thing about that was, for about five years, um, I went into a type of remission. Uh, I used to say, "Fibromyalgia, what's that?" You know, but I'm feeling great. Everything's fine. Really? Um, yeah. Did, and it, so, it, can I can I get a little personal? Did sure. that happen after the divorce? Do you tie yeah. those two events together? That's what that was the only thing I could tie together. Hmm. I well, thought, well, this is you know, this is strange. Yeah, Suddenly, let's let's, no more- let's pause here for a second because there's some interest. There's an interesting study or pair of studies that was done. Oh, it's probably mm-hmm. twenty years ago now. I'm, I'm sorry. I used to all these studies when I was younger used to be like a couple years ago, but now they've been around. It's probably like twenty years ago. The first study was they studied men in marriages. And they found that 
men in marriages. So a marriage was protected for a man. They lived longer. Men who were married lived longer, right? Right. So I said, wow, right. that's really interesting that, you know, marriage can bestow this type of uh, health benefit on somebody. Let's look at women. Let's see what happens. So they looked at women and they found there was no benefit. So wow. they said, wow, that's really strange. So they dug a little bit deeper. And what they found was with women, it was the quality of the marriage. So if a woman was in a bad marriage, her life span was actually shorter. Her health was uh, negatively impacted. And if she was in a good marriage, then it was, it was uh, prolonged. So you took the two extremes and put them together uh, statistically and they wash each other out. So it just looks like no benefit at all. So it's not surprising to me at all that you take yourself out of a stressful relationship and your body yeah. goes, oh, thank goodness. And your immune system yeah. has a little more energy to do its job. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was 180 degree turnaround, yeah. which was, again, I was like, wow, okay. Ha ha ha. I'm not sure what's that. Those doctors don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. It was just the stress of a very, um, painful, you know, relationship. Yeah. I mean, I have four wonderful adult children now, um, but um, it was it was not healthy. Um, so then things yeah. obviously started falling apart again. What triggered the relapse? Well, this is interesting. I remarried. Um, and <laughs> I Moral remarried, of the story I, is... <laughs> I got back. I, I, I Ex- dug a hole again. Sorry, but, I don't mean to laugh. It's about just... A, about a year after I was married, and, yeah. and, and Larry and I got married in 2008, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it was interesting. It, we, we called the, the Russell Bunch. He had four adult children, and I had four adult children. So wow. together, <laughs> the Brady Run. Yeah, know, Absolutely. Like, yeah. Plus you. a couple extra. Yeah. <laughs> well, in 2009, out of the blue, and I was, I was state decorating again for a, a large retail company, and I started feeling um, my face having some very uncomfortable weird symptoms. I thought I was having a stroke. Hmm. Um, my whole left side of my face began to become paralyzed. Yeah. I was scared to death. Yep. Um, I left there immediately. I got home and, uh, you know, short of thinking I was going to die, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to Google this because now the internet was on the scene in 2009 and I saw Bell's palsy mm-hmm. was, um, what was, you know, probably the problem. Yeah, absolutely. So I showed up, I, I showed up on the doorstep of my primary care physician the next morning, but, you know, unannounced. And he said, absolutely, you, you diagnosed yourself. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a steroid pack, and it should go oh, away. No. And it's nothing but a virus in the cranial facial nerve, and you're going to be fine. Right. And so, okay, put some heads. And in about three weeks, I had full, you know, um, you know, resolution of that. And um, I had a little bit of speech therapy, but really nothing that showed I had any more paralysis left. So mm-hmm. I was very thankful for that. A year later in 2010, began to have some of these sensations again. And I thought, wait a minute, I, you know, did the Bell's palsy not go away? Yeah. Went and had a brain MRI. Brain, brain MRI, uh, nothing to note, nothing abnormal. Um, just, it's an obvious to know what to say. Mm-hmm. Just, 
kind of like, well, it's nothing. I don't know, you know, um, stress, you know. Um, and I was beginning to have um, muscle spasms in my face um, and in my legs and in my arms. Uh, began to have tingling and numbing around the jawline, head, ting- head tingling, feelings like my head was on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, at this point, I began to really say, okay, maybe diet, maybe diet. Right. And I started eliminating all processed foods. I stopped all sugar, um, all dairy products, and I began to pursue actually health coaching um, certificate license. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with IIN. Nope. They're uh, uh, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and it was basically a course that was looking at lifestyle and, um, you know, just ways of, of having your kind of life you want to, but looking at the whole big picture. Yeah. You know, relationships, job, diet, exercise, sleep, all those things. And I actually began seeing clients. Um, but I still wasn't feeling well. Right. And um, I thought, well, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to try to, you know, continue with, with full-time work. And I was hired by Whole Foods in March of two, uh, 2013 and crazy hours, 5 a.m. to 2 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the neck and shoulder pain increasing, you know, I was, you know, much doing massage and physical therapy and walking, essential oils, chiropractic. Not much improvement. And, you were doing um, everything. Everything. You know, short of, you know, eating paleo. I was the poster child for that. Um, read every book on, on health and wellness. Uh, and yet, you know, okay, what am I missing? What the heck is missing? Right. Well, I ended up having to quit my job and took five months off last winter. Um, I went to see... A sort of out of the box alternative doctor who began to do every lab known to man, and he said, to me, "You've got stuff." He said, "You've got stuff." Those are his exact, his exact words. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you've got a sensitivity to yeast. You've got Epstein Barr virus. You've got elevated cortisol. Mm-hmm. Um, so he started treating those really with more of a thyroid problem and, uh, you know, just, just keep doing that paleo. It, it's going to get better. Right. Um, and January this past year rolled around, and um, and when I tell you that things were stepping up a notch, they were stepping up. Um, insomnia off the charts, feeling toxic. I, I would I could just feel when I lied down, it was if my whole body was pulsating. It was, it was like buzzing. Mm-hmm. Electric. Mm-hmm. Um, my weight started to drop. Um, I got very, very concerned about this. My primary is telling me, my primary physician is saying, well, let's, let's look at the thyroid. Um, yeah, you've got these multi boilers and they're looking like they maybe need to have some biopsy on them. Mm-hmm. I did that. Everything was normal. Don't need any, you know. Any thyroid medication. So where where does Lyme come in? How I mean, this is like Lyme? the marathon yes. diagnostic. Yeah, on and on and on and on. So Lyme comes in. I was at this point, the pain was so bad that I was ready to go see a pain management doctor. Everyone's mm-hmm. saying, there's nothing we can do. You've had everything under the sun. 
So in, in going to this pain management doctor, I was calling to get all my labs, all my paperwork and, and history forwarded. The secretary of my TMJ doctor said to me, Georgia, she said, has anyone ever suggested Lyme disease? No kidding. I said, well, I said, it's interesting that you say that because I just read an article a few months ago about this woman who had fibro, and it turns out it was Lyme. Yeah. She said, this is who you need to call, and she gave me the name of an LLMD down in Mississippi, and it was a four-month waiting list. No kidding. Um, and in the meantime, from this past May through the whole summer, I went down, down, down. Five emergency room visits, mm. two hospitalizations. Oh. To the point that the only thing they could say was it's still psychiatric. And <laughs> the worst of it all was that I was admitted to a 30-day inpatient, basically substance abuse center. And the few people that were there for chronic pain were suffering from depression and anxiety. Yeah. And so here I am yeah. among an entire culture yeah. of people that I felt so out of place. By the end of 30 days, I still felt horrible. And the doctor, you know, were basically saying, well, there's something wrong with you. We just don't know what it is. You're what we call a zebra. And, um, and what do they mean I, by I, that? I, That's an interesting term. Yeah, you don't fit in. Oh, okay, okay. You, 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 don't, you don't fit in. Right. You know, you, you're, you're gray. You've got so many different things. It's so, and it's the first time I began to hear the word complex. Yes. Whatever you've got going on, it's something so complex. You may never know what it is. You mm-hmm. might as well file for disability and just learn how to cope. So did you and voluntarily admit or did you? No. Yeah. Um, after I had had seven days at uh, the hospital here in Memphis and every team specialist, neurologist, gastroenterologist, um, you know, psychiatrists, all of them, again, concluding it's got to be psychiatric. Yeah. So my poor husband is just at a loss. Yeah. And he's going basically by their team decision. And unbeknownst to me, they're calling and making arrangements for this facility. And I didn't want to go. Yeah. I'm like, it's, there's nothing, you know, there's something going on in my body. And I was kind of like, well... He said, you have to go. What what other options are there? Yeah, we don't know what else to do with you, huh? No. Yeah. So what I thought oh. was going to be a three or four day admission, because he was afraid he was afraid to tell me. Yeah. I basically was dropped off there and told. I mean, it's like hearing the, the metal door slam behind you. Yeah, and lock. Yeah, yeah. Lockdown. You yeah. know. I know. I know. The the silver lining of this was at the end of that. I was to continue on with an intensive outpatient five days a week, kind of the same, you know, group therapy. And well, the psychiatrist that was there, interestingly enough, did genetic testing. And he uncovered, it's the first time anybody ever mentioned anything about genetic testing. No kidding. He found out that I had the MTHFR. Mutation. Of course. Are you of course. Heter- are you heterozygous? Homozygous. I'm homozygous. Of course you, said, you I are. I hate to tell you, but you've got the worst of the two. Yes, <laughs> of course. And he said, and the Bell's palsy, and you've got Epstein Barr, and you've got HH Hicks, and you had M pneumonia. I mean, yeah. these are all things that were showing up as elevated, high 
um, numbers. Mm-hmm. And yet these doctors were not acknowledging that, much less treating it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what you do. And at this point, my appointment in Mississippi at the end of September finally came. Um, and I thought, well, you know what the heck? I guess I'll just go. Because now I was, I was beginning to really put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, the, with, the, with the pain and the Bell's palsy and the, the return of all these symptoms, you know, the, the, the genetic mutation. Um, and when I got down there, sure enough, was, was told, yeah. And he said, and you don't have to have, because they were doing the Western blot. You know, I had the Western blot done. And, um, you know, those bands did not show up. So we said, it doesn't matter. We, we, we treat clinical, you know, um, symptoms as they present and the history, you know, of, of you know, your health. Um, it's an open and shut case. Yeah, no kidding. So he, be- he began to um, start phase one of the treatment. And again, he's still a little bit vague because, you know, you have to be very careful with the amount of time you're spending and, you know, otherwise you start drawing too much attention and these doctors have to be very, very careful, um, you know, of how these things are, I don't know, coded or diagnosed and, and yeah, both. insurance companies. Yeah. So we just kind of, you know, well, he said there's another individual up in your area and I have no problem, you know, if you want to see her, she's a lot closer to you. And it turns out that she's about 10 minutes. Huh? I made an appointment. I got in to see her the 1st of October. And she's the one who really allowed this whole thing to start making sense. And she said, you've got Bartonella. You've probably got Babesia. And this is what we need to start as soon as possible. So, you know, the the great thing as far as where I am right now in my journey um, is that, you know, the symptoms have become more manageable. We're treating the MCHFR. There is an antidepressant combination which has seemed to help um, with some of the symptoms in terms of the anxiety and the depression. But by no means, you know, am I feeling an improvement yet from the um, what's probably the neuro line at this at this stage? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's become my new normal. You know, it's like if you wear a pair of tight shoes long enough, you you adapt. <laughs> well um, And and I think that's the beauty of of working if you can once you understand what this is. Um, you know, emotionally, you just kind of, you know, keep your wits about you and and say, just trust the process. Yeah. And, so, that's, and that's where I am right now. How long have you been in treatment now? Um, I would say the end of September. The end of September, we began with uh, treating, you know, um, the candida. Uh, and then after that, when I began to see my uh, this local um, practitioner, uh, she began um, the antibiotic therapy. And we're getting ready to start a second one in about another week, so I'll be on two at the same time. Yeah, so you're you're just getting started. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's interesting. Getting started as far as treating the Lyme yeah. 
That's what I mean. Knowing that I've had it all these years, it's it's hard to wrap it's hard to wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. You know what? What part that you've had it that long, or it took that long to find out? What part is hard to wrap your head around? That it, that it took that long mm. to finally get to this place, and I think you know honestly, it. it I have a very very strong faith. Um, I'm a Christian, uh, and and I truly believe in the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. and that you know all things are in his control and for whatever reason, you know, these years were allowed to um, continue without the answers that, you know, maybe had I had them 20 years ago, oh, things be different, but I I choose not to look back um, and think that way. You know, everything is is perfectly timed, you know, for, for reasons that if anything, you know, I want my story to give hope and encouragement to somebody that, you know what, don't wait this long. We have so much information out there now. Um, you know, I'm one of the stories that, you know, I'll never know what, what it might have been if I had had 25 years ago, you know, intervention. Right. Um, so my, my attitude is, is grateful. I certainly, when I look back at where I was over the summer, Frightening. I mean, okay, I had gotten down to 114 pounds um, from about 140 last summer, and this is without even trying. Yeah. You know, my body, my body actually, when I was admitted to the hospital, uh, one of those trips in June, the diagnosis, the only one they had to give me was widespread body deterioration for mm. lack of anything else. Mm. And that's a frightening diagnosis, and yet they didn't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> You know, so yeah. um, Lyme's hiding in plain sight. Yeah, that, and that's the irony of it. It's hiding in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Well, right? I still, it's you know, it's. I just spoke with a with a young woman in in Sweden, and she grew up in Norway, and mm-hmm. uh, her story is a little bit similar to yours, except that. In the first battery of tests that they did in one of her hospitalizations, they did do a Lyme test. However, they skipped right over it. And she came back positive for Lyme. But the doctors, this is talking about hiding in plain sight, the doctors didn't even acknowledge it. It wasn't until she had gotten home and she and her mom were going over the paperwork. They're like, Lyme disease? What's Lyme disease? You know, mm-hmm. and so then they started looking up, and it was the, you know the the light bulb mm-hmm. went off, and it's still so much. It's a I'd like to call it like a, a backyard fence diagnosis. It's just like that receptionist. You know, that's how it's still mm-hmm. being done. It's like, have you considered Lyme? Mm-hmm. And it's not the medical community isn't there because the information they have is oh, it's simple to treat. It doesn't take too much mm-hmm. to diagnose mm-hmm. it either, and it goes away very easily. So in their mind, it's nothing. Nothing that would map out with anything of these serious symptoms that you're seeing. So they wouldn't. They, it doesn't match their their diagnostic criteria. They would don't even think about it. Mm. And it takes it takes somebody across the back, you know, the backyard fence, saying, you know, just to give us a little push, because you know, probably I bet it was in the back of your mind once or twice, but you don't, you know, you don't get the support, you don't get the reinforcement, you don't get the little nudge to say, you know what, maybe mm-hmm. it is. Maybe I need to well, pursue I mean, that. Well, even, even in the hospital, I mean, the hospital, they were running every test 
known to man. They mm-hmm. were running metals. They were running. Yep. Um, I mean, even arsenic. They were, you know, maybe everything poisoned. I mean, you know, you just, good for them. Yeah. Um, everything. And then they did the. I think it's called the gillium. It was a, a radio nuclear scan of the entire body. They called it. It was the hail mary of no diagnostic scans, hmm. a full body scan. They're looking for Something parts weird. of the body to light up. Yep. Yeah, parts of the body will light up with an infection. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe this. No, everything's normal. Really? Even with that? So, hmm. um, yeah, but bl- the Borrelia is such a sneaky little, <laughs> little sucker, isn't it? I mean, you think something yeah. like that would show an infection because obviously you were seriously infected. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, it, it, it is what it is. But if if my story can help um, open the eyes to someone out there uh, who maybe knows somebody else, even yeah, exactly, you know, or give encouragement to somebody um, as far as you know, the timing of things are when they're supposed to happen. You can't look back with with resentment or you know regret. You, you did the best you could with the information. Right. You know, you you had, but at the same time, you've got to be your own best advocate. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you know, we used to be able to take doctor's word as gospel, mm-hmm. but we're now finding that that's not the case, and they're trained to think a certain way. Mm-hmm. And um, it is a business at the same time, and you've got about five minutes in yep. the office, and then they're on to the next one. Yep. So, you know, the, the the things that they're looking for, if they don't meet these criteria, even if the emergency room said to me, well, there's nothing here that's going to kill you. We, we checked you out, um, discharged, and go back to your car there. And if you don't feel better, well, I, but you know, there's nothing life-threatening. Yeah, exactly. So you're supposed to be jumping up and down. And, and wow, great, you know. <laughs> if you had the energy, you would. And I mean, it got to the point where I, I was I was really short of, if this is my life, I can't live like this. Mm-hmm. The insomnia was so, I was waking up in the middle of the night, yeah. screaming in pain, make it stop, make it stop. Oh. The nerve pain, the nerve pain was so bad. I, I mean, my teeth, you know, um, I, you know yeah, yeah, it's... It, 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 I, I think, like, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're telling your story, and it's particularly the, you know, the, your 30-year journey to finally getting your diagnosis mm-hmm. and not giving up. Mm-hmm. I think there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there who've, mm-hmm. in similar situation, who have a chronic Lyme infection or Babesia or Bartonella or all of the above, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have been landed with some a psychiatric diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Or fibromyalgia, or some terminal. But I don't mean terminal like death, but terminal like there's no further investigation being done, and they're living with Lyme, and nobody knows it, you know. And they weren't, you mm-hmm. know, they didn't have the blessing of the receptionist saying, you know. So I just, I do hope that people listening, you know, start once you, once you've got the Lyme colored glasses you start mm-hmm. being able to detect it in people's story you can just smell it you just know yeah. that they've got some sort of infection and um just to encourage people to find an llmd 
who will mm-hmm. take the diagnostics seriously, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've since gotten very involved with the local uh, Memphis Lyme group, um, and there's also a, uh, a chronic pain group, and, um, you know, that's, that's my, this is my soapbox now. You know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm passionate about my relationship with the Lord, and I'm passionate about people taking charge of their own health. And I think, you know, um, if, if that's my my purpose for being here, then I'm gonna I'm gonna complete it and, and do it well. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a survivor, and um, you know, I, I just I won't give up. I won't give up. There's too many wonderful things here. Um, you know, to enjoy. Um, and you gotta believe that. You, you gotta have some kind of, and people were telling me, you're, you're gonna get better. You're gonna get better, you know. Um, like, okay. <laughs> but, but get better from what? Right. You know. Just, so. Just better. Yeah. Well, you have taken a big step today to fulfill on that commitment. And I want to thank you for sharing your story because <laughs> really at the heart of it, that it's these stories which break through the fog mm-hmm. and give people the, the reassurance and the courage uh, to, mm-hmm. to go and, and get help mm-hmm. and to, and to reach out to other people because you know, in the in the regular world, there's not a whole lot of agreement. I mean, you faced that for 30 years, not a whole lot of agreement around this. And so, to no, have this really, little community that that yeah. shares the same the same thinking and the same ideas is is very supportive. I think the thing that is unfortunate, though, I mean, the internet is kind of a double edged sword in that <laughs> you know you will hear doctors tell you to get off the internet, stop believing everything you read. You know, I would, I would hear that a little bit. Um, and at the same time, you know, our medical community isn't what it was 20, 25, 30 years ago. The way they were, you know, I guess you could call it practicing medicine because in the sense that what they're doing it, practicing, they don't know everything, you know. And if this doesn't work, well, we'll try this. Or if this doesn't show up at a test, then you can't have that. Um, I, I think it's a scary place to be. You know, for people that do have Lyme and they don't know it and they haven't um, had someone come into their midst who can kind of open their eyes, you know, we'll see. Well, I'd love to hear how things turn out over the next uh, couple months because I'm sure you'll be telling everybody how much better you're feeling as you're finally on the path. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You want you want to shout it from the mountaintop, and, <laughs> um, and that's you know what I plan to do with with anybody who's open and um, you know in in chronic pain. You know, it, it goes back to you know those are symptoms. There's something underneath. That's what I love about functional medicine. You know, it, it's got to be one of these five or six things. You know, and you got to look under the hood. You just if that dashboard light comes on. You know, it, it's an indication. Well, something's not right, and you you got to look. And the day we stop looking, uh, I think that is, um, you know, going to be going to be detrimental. And and those are the ones that don't make it. So. <laughs> well said. 
Well said. <laughs> oh, well, I'm so excited and thankful for what you're doing. And uh, and I tell you what, I have been listening. I, I went to Birmingham over the weekend, and I spent, literally, you went with me okay, to Birmingham. I listened to probably 20, 25 oh my goodness. Uh, podcasts. It's a four-hour drive, you know, down and four hours back. So I had eight hours. Of uh, of listening to a lot of these and um, and they've been they've been fantastic. They've been really really great what you're doing. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. And now you're part of both sides <laughs> of the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I always say you don't like what you see or hear on TV or on a on a tape recorder. Yeah. Well, maybe it won't maybe it won't be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> now you sound beautiful. Thank you again so much for. You know, for allowing me to uh, to share my story, I really uh, I'm I'm as encouraged maybe as you know as you've been tonight. So thank you for that. You're very very welcome. It's wonderful to talk with you. You too. All okay, right. McKay. Good night, Georgia. Bye bye. Bye bye. I really enjoyed listening to Georgia's story. You know, it takes a very strong woman to be able to go through all of this heartache that she's been through and still have sound so cheerful. Yes, sure spirit is intact, her fighting spirit. And really, that's the essence of being a Lyme ninja. Not that you've got the upper hand or you've got it all figured out, but that you're still in the game, you're still fighting, you're still learning, figuring out skills you need to defeat Lyme disease once and for all. So that's that's why we bring you these Lime Ninja interviews as a really honest, raw look at what it's like to have Lyme disease. And so you know you're not the only one out there. You're not the only Lyme Ninja. There's a whole galaxy of ninjas. Yes. If you need more Lime Ninja in your life... Visit our website, LimeNinjaRadio.com. There you can find all 64 past episodes. Yep, we archive them there. So if you want to go back and check out what we've done or listen to an expert, go there. Uh, on the website, you can also sign up for our Ninja Insider mailing list and pick up the Lime Ninja Brain Fog Cheat Sheet as our thank you. Lime Ninja Radio is also on iTunes. Stitcher. And now we're on SoundCloud. All excited about SoundCloud. And lastly, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know part of the test to become a ninja is eating broth with a fork? Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.